On today's episode of The Buster Show, we have my friend, we recorded it a few days ago, but I'm recording this intro now, my friend Oliver Twist on the podcast. He is a basketball influencer, a athletic freak of nature, uh, a man who has overcome a lot. We don't touch on it too much in the podcast, but it truly makes everything even more impressive. You can only see out of one eye because when he was younger, he got shot. This man has defied all odds and is one of the most talented people in the sports social media scene. Uh, really excited and hope you enjoy this episode with Oliver Twist. See you guys. Peace. Friend, how are you? Thanks for coming on. What's going on? How you doing? I'm doing great. So right before we came on, and I want to get into your background and you know the mm. context on how you got to where you are now and where you want to go going forwards. But first, you told me you're a big tea guy. I don't think I've ever, or you told me that you're drinking tea right now. You got up to go get water. You came back with tea. Uh, I don't know if yeah. I've ever met a hooper who is a tea enthusiast. Uh, how did that start? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's actually growing up on me. I'm not even going to lie to you. So growing up, if you know me, you know I don't like tea. Even <laughs> to this day, I, no, I, I won't go to the store and get tea, but like in the morning heat, you know, not heat, hot tea is definitely where it's at. But like I was saying, when I was younger, I didn't like it. It was nasty. I drink it now because it's more about cleansing your body. It's more so not me liking tea. It's more so just knowing that it's good for me that I need it in the mornings. Cause it's just like drinking water. You need to drink water, especially in the morning. It's always good to, it's always good to get at least good, one good water bottle. Oh shoot. One good water bottle. Morning. My bad. Yeah, you're good. But you tea is also good too, cause it's cleansing. How do, how do you think it cleanses? It, uh, it's cleaning out all the, every, one to every, all the dirty bacteria that you was taking in when you were asleep and that you eat throughout the day from yesterday, even after you brush your teeth. When you wake up, you're drinking a hot, good glass of tea with usually ginger or uh, turmeric, I think that's what it is. I don't, I don't properly say everything right, but turmeric, that that helps cleans out, cleans out your body as well to start off your day. Yeah. And after, I'll probably go, I'll probably go to Jamba Juice after this and go get a smoothie, I'm not gonna lie. Bro, I'm a big smoothie guy too. I'm drinking <laughs> strawberry, banana, Whey protein, almond milk. That's mm -hmm. my, that's my dream vision smoothie. I go when I go to Jamba Juice. I go get the Caribbean passion and tell them put some peanut butter in it. I'm telling you, I don't <laughs> care what nobody says. Peanut butter is good in anything. I don't it's care. Good. Peanut butter is good in anything, and it's good for you. A hundred percent. So I want to get into your background. We met for the first time a few weeks ago. We'd been in touch on Instagram because I've been a fan of. You know your dunks and everything that you're up to but we first met it at uh one of jordan lolly's runs and right. um you were telling me about a little bit of background context on your story but i want to dive even deeper you know into that and also uh you know provide people with some background on you as well for those that don't know so mm -hmm. you, if i'm not mistaken you got your start in track and track and field so that is my go like that is my if if you look me up other than the dunk videos you'll see track and field right after that is my baby like that's my passion like that's where i get my job from when it comes to sports now my first sport that i was playing was football so you would think that would be my first love which don't get me wrong i love football i love it but track it just it just brought something different out of me when i was at when i every time i'll be on the field and so you were playing football. Uh, do you remember? Do you remember why you first got into track? And did you realize very early on that you were better than everybody else, or how did you realize that? Uh, so my, so really, my mom, rest in peace to her. She was the athlete, literally. Like she was the athlete. If she didn't have kids, she would probably be where I am now and probably having kids around later, around like in her 30s. But she was a real athlete. She was a junior Olympian growing up. 
and track. So that's where I get my my draw from it from. So me me picking it picking it up was more like I need to finish what she started. Really, it's just I haven't. The sad thing about it was I didn't go to the Junior Olympics. I got hurt right when I was supposed to go to the to the Junior Olympics, but it's all good. Now, what what are you competing in in track? Ooh, <laughs> just about everything. I did the one, two, four by one, four by two when we had it, the four by four. But my main was long jump and high jump. You can count on me doing long jump and high jump every single meet. I, I would alternate between everything else after that. If I want to do the four, I'll do the four at this meet. I'll do the four and the two this meet, or the one and the two, or it, I'll just mix it up, whatever I wanted to do. And what was your highest rank to give some like real perspective on where you stood? The highest rank you ever were when you were competing? Oh, I was ranked first in the state. Well, a couple states, but I was ranked first in the state my senior year for long jump. Then I was ranked top five in the nation after a national meet. And, and that's especially impressive, too, for those who don't know. You're not the tallest guy in the world. Facts. <laughs> Rich, what, what do you think you would be doing if you were six foot three or four? <laughs> you would be like the, I mean, you could still be the greatest long jumper of all time, but do you think you would be setting records that could never be broken? When it comes to track, if I was taller, yes, I would be setting records that wouldn't be touched just because I just know my job and how I am and what I'm capable if I still had the same ability of what I'm doing now if I was six foot plus <laughs> I was I would push every record out of reach on purpose because that's just me but if I was to be playing basketball at six foot plus I'm coming for Mike I'm coming for all his records and everything he did realistically because he made, he made being an athlete different in his era. Like, there was really good basketball players in his era. But he made be, playing basketball and being an athlete, like, two different things. He showed that. Mm. No, 100%. Um, so what, what record, uh, to close out on, on the tracks uh, side of things, what record are you most proud of of your own? Oh, easily my long jump record. Easy. Yeah. Easy. That's my prize possession right there. Because there were so many great uh, track athletes that came to my came through my school. And my school was actually um, in track. We actually was ranked at the time for most consecutive wins in conference. We had 41 wins at the time before we had lost. But all through them, we had so many great long jumpers, like, like seriously, like ranked in the, in the country ranked in a couple, we had a couple of track athletes in general go to the Olympics, the Olympic trials. But as for long jump, like I was saying, we had so many great long jumpers that I competed with as teammates and seen compete upon. Even a family member of mine, he was a great long jumper, my, my cousin. Wow. Remy Martin, great, great long jumper. But for me to pass all of them and me be short, me being right. short than all of them, that is easily my my prize possession because after them, after they came through the track coach and just about everybody else that followed through with track was like, yeah, those records are not being broken. Like, because they thought everybody who's running in the 80s was just phenomenal, which they was. They was running crazy times, no lie. We had a dude running a 10-1 in high school. <laughs> in high school, crazy. But... But, yeah, everybody really was just quick just to count out everybody. But now I took that, and I could for surely say nobody will ever break that record. I feel like the thing is, when you're not – when you're shorter or smaller than anybody else, that just means that you have to do everything else perfectly. Exactly. Like with those people. Is that something that, that you definitely saw? And were there specific things like – making sure your diet was better than other people and you were training more than other people. What, what sorts of things did, do you still even take into account in that regard? 
Um, with that, I make sure that I practice everything that I do. It's reputation. That, repetitions. That's what I really go upon. Like, there was times I would stay after practice an hour and 30 minutes after just because I can jump in the sand pit all day. When track practice is over with, they put everything up. You can't put sand up. I mean, you can put a cover over it, but at the same time, it's like nobody's going to take the time to do that. And majority of the time, it's the athletes are doing it anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> I can I can do that. I can sit in that sand pit all day. So I love sand in general. It just makes me feel comfortable for some reason. I don't know why. But I would stay up to practice, like I said, for an hour, hour, 30 minutes later, just to make sure that I was getting the same mark every time, same stride, every time, every time, every time. Because what I realized about the people that came before me they wasn't as consistent as me when it came to getting the spring off the board they was more consistent on their on the on hitting the board it was consistent more consistent than me there was times when i wouldn't even hit the board and still jump with 23 something without even hitting the board like i'll be inches away not even hitting the board still jump with 23 but i always made sure it was my repetition on if i'm going to jump that far away from the board i need to hit 23 every single time or i need to hit 23 something or this isn't it i'll make sure like i would set goals for myself in the sand make sure i hit this right here and this on here make sure my chest was always up i think i i think that's why i passed them the way i did because i i put that work in like without anybody helping me no lie i didn't have anybody helping me get that record because my track coach we only had two coaches at the time my track coach is really really known for getting the 800 and distance players I mean, distance runners ready, like, to be the top in the state. He's known for that. Now, I'm not saying he's not known for being a jump coach. He, like, he is. He knows the, the you know, the proper technique and everything, but that wasn't his go-to. So whenever he, like I said, we had so many greats, it was more like we was teaching each other and passing it down throughout the coaches because we would go through coaches. We would go through jump coaches. So we're still just passing stuff down to each other then. I was there by myself. I didn't have nobody else after my freshman year. I didn't have anybody else. So sophomore year, it was just me, hmm. just all me. I'm teaching everybody else as well. But it's literally just me. And my, my coach will tell you, he'll come over and make sure I'm doing stuff right. It wasn't like he didn't coach us. It was just like he had to focus on them. Then while trying to find another coach for other events as well. Like we he was really low staff, no lie. Wow. Now I've heard because <laughs> We actually had uh, an Olympic pole vaulter from Canada mm -hmm. on the podcast, and she was talking about pole vaulting. And I'm curious if this is the same uh, for long jump and, and high jump and everything of that nature. She was talking about how most of it's just mental. Like once everything else is out of the way, once you put the work in, because anybody at that, anybody at the Olympic level obviously put the work in. Anybody who's competing at you know high levels that you're competing in, they put the work in. But then the last barrier is that mental aspect. So how do you um, get over that last bump and make sure that you're locked in and focused? It's a, I think, I think a lot of track athletes can relate. It's, it's, it's when you are putting that work in and you're coming to the last minutes, like you don't physically know what time, like you don't know, like physically, boom, it's four o'clock. You don't know that, but you know, once you hit this jump, once you hit this mark, then it's more so you know, like you don't have to you don't have to physically be there when this meet comes. You can tap into that mindset that you was in at practice, and it's letting your body just do exactly what you was practicing on on that same mark. You're getting that feel from this how this is how perfect it felt that day. I needed to feel like this again. So in order for it to feel like this again. I need to go back to that same mindset. So I'm not physically here. I'm mentally in that same state that I was in when nobody else was here. It was just me doing exactly what I do. The fans are just a perk. Now I'm putting on for y'all to show y'all what I do in practice. I think a lot of people, that that's that's how I go about it. But I know a lot of people can relate to it as well. That's how I am in all sports, to be honest. Do you ever have any doubt when it comes to these things, or is that out the window from the practice? That's out the window. Because as soon as you doubt, that's when you start thinking. And that's when you pull a JR moment. No shots at JR, no shade at JR Smith, but that's when you pull a JR Smith moment. He's not a person to go out and really, no, no basketball player really sit there and just think 
it's more like I said, if you if you got it like that and you know how to tap into that to those you know type of mentalities, you'll be in that mentality. But right then, when Jr. caught that ball and he dribbled out and looked at LeBron, it was like, oh, he started thinking. He started. There was a doubt somewhere. If I get this, I don't know if I want to do this or this. Instead of being, if I get this, I'm about to shoot it because this is what I practice on. This is why I'm here. This is why I get paid. This right. is what I'm supposed you to do. Kept it up there, honestly. This is why you get paid. This is what I do. I practice this 24-7. He don't have to go to school no more. Mm-hmm. I had to go to school. I still had to find that mentality. You feel me? So it's, that's why that's what I try to get to. Like if you if you think you'll have a JR moment, no lie. And I, and I think that's applicable to um to anybody and anybody who spends a lot of time doing anything, right? It doesn't matter if it's a sport or you're a singer or you know, you do lots of podcasts, whatever it is, if you do right. stop, like the sim- similar to you, like when I, but when I, it's funny because when I will play a sport, um, mm-hmm. sometimes against people who are, are a new sport, let's say, I will have doubts at the beginning because I didn't put the work in. But for something that I did put the work in, like. You have no doubt about it. Why would I? You're, wait- you're waiting for somebody else to step in your lane so you can show them. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. But when you haven't put that work in, you do. And I think that's just the work. Because you see, and I, it's more like you'll see somebody else, like how good they are and how they're presenting their stuff. That's where, that's where some people get that doubt from because they feel like, ooh, I'm not looking like that. But I mean, I'm pretty good, but I'm not looking like that. <laughs> Instead of going out there and worrying about you. That's why I came up with my brand, Bag Village. Stay, once you stay in your bag and you stay in your lane, you have nothing else to worry about. You're not worried about, if you worry about somebody else's bag, that's how you get messed up. Cause you're stepping in a lane that you're not familiar with. Mind your business and keep doing you. That's how you succeed and that's how you see your goals achieved. That's how you achieve all your goals. A hundred percent. I'm so glad you touched on that and said that because I really, you know, I really believe nobody else, everybody's going through their own battle, right? And Mm -hmm. nobody wants, like you think you want what somebody else has. You think you want it, but you don't. You don't know anything. You don't want to be them. They don't want to be you in reality. They might want the the fake things that they see on social media because it's a 0.1% highlight reel. But in reality, like you said, you got to stay in your bag, stay in your lane, because the second you start mm-hmm. thinking about somebody else, that's time that you could spend with your family or worrying about your own business. Exactly. Exactly. Once you, once you step out your lane, that's when you get messed up. That's the same thing with driving. Once you step out your lane, that's how you get into a wreck. That's how you get messed up. Stay in your lane until you get to your destination. People's like, well, where's my destination? Uh, your bag is infinite. There's no, there's no definite, there's no destination. Once you stay in your bag, you stay in your lane. You can, if you want to make money forever, you can keep making money forever, even when you're dead. Yeah. If that's what you do, if, if you want to keep making hits even when you're dead, you can do that. There's artists who make millions or something to where when they die, a hit will come out tomorrow or the next year, next sure. decade. Hits recycle. People do voice, not voiceovers, but um, what's it called? They'll put a snippet of your song. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'll put a snippet of your song in their song. Like Michael Jackson would never die. Right. It's It's true. He stayed in his bag. He stayed in his lane. He became who he was. Nobody can ever be Michael Jackson. Nobody can ever be Michael Jordan. You see, Kobe didn't get six rings. He tried his best to be Michael Jordan. You can't. You can't be that man. That man, Michael Jordan, was just different. Kobe, he ended up being a better version of himself. He's different. Same thing with LeBron. Same thing with, you feel me, every other great athlete that people look at. They stay in their lane. That's why they have their own name. That's why they they have things in their Oh, my gosh. Hold up. They're trying to get your attention. I heard. <laughs> They're trying to get your attention. Special. Yeah. <laughs> Special performance. Right. Shout out to the dog. But yeah, yeah. once you stay, in, you stay in your bag. That's how you see everything that 
that you wanted. No lie. I think that's um, that's very sound advice for for all the youngsters. I want to ask you, um, because I'm so especially fascinated with explosive athletes, and obviously, you know, given your jumping ability and and height, you very much qualify for that. Um, are there any specific uh, foods and diets that you do or do not align with before you're about to go do something or, or anything like that? Like, is there anything you'll never eat before a game or a contest? Oh. Something, and something that you always do? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you was meaning, like, is there anything specific that I eat? But no, I don't. To me, personally, I'm lactose, and I stay away from dairy. But I'm really glad that I am lactose, no lie, because there is really not not good. It holds a lot of weight on you, a lot of weight. That's why when you see people that get fat, ask them what food they like the most. Majority of the time, it's something with cheese or has a lot of dairy product in it. And they'll eat that a lot. That weight holds onto you. But before a game or anything, I try not to eat and that really just, that really sits on me. So I stay light. Uh, I'm not like Joel and B to eat cheeseburgers, um, <laughs> but don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't eat the best. Like I'm not ready to say I. I eat asparagus and avocado and stuff like that before a game. You might catch me walking in with some Skittles, for sure, or some type of candy. That that's just a must. But I don't at, know least, why. at least with that, your crash won't come till after the game. <laughs> facts. Facts. But like before, I'm, I'll, I'll eat a hamburger maybe if I make it. But if not, I'll stay light, no lie. I don't really eat heavy. Respect. But sometimes sometimes I don't eat. And that's the, the very interesting part about me. A lot of people don't know. I don't really – sometimes I don't eat before a game. I won't eat before a hoop session or something. I don't know. It's, just, it's different. Yeah, it's funny, you know, with anything, obviously you can make an argument for eating or not eating before, eating healthy, eating, you can make an argument for anything. But um, I've heard scientists say that there's a, uh, there's like a, a prehistoric or an evolutionary benefit of not eating before a game because it makes you like a predator, like you're more hungry and then you're going to go out and try harder because in your no, for, That's some, actually for some delusional reason, your head thinks that you're like hunting food <laughs> when you're playing basketball. <laughs> no, that's actual facts. That's actual facts because that's why I would stay after, you know, school for so long. Like, man, we'll probably eat. We'll probably eat lunch at like twelve. We don't get done with school until like, well, at the time, we wouldn't get done with school until like two thirty. Then we had missed some school days from, from it snowing and, and raining and stuff. So they added on extra time. So we wouldn't get out of school until like 3.30 and still wouldn't eat lunch until 12. Mm. So like you said, that feeling is is the type of feeling that I get when I, when I don't eat. It's more so me like I don't eat because I'm hungry when I practice. So and when I practice, nobody's in my lane. You feel me? Because I'm in my lane. That's why I'm practicing. Nobody can be around me. I'm so far gone past people. It's They're back there. Put it like that. So whenever it is time for me to play, there's so much food around in my lane that people are, you know, are crossing, they have to see me. So when they see me, it's time to eat. That's the only way I know. There's no partnerships. No. We're not going to have a truce. Nothing. <laughs> After the game, no. Oh yeah, that that that's what type of athlete track and field makes. After the game, cool. I got no problems with you. You made it. You survived. <laughs> Anybody else? I can't. If if you ain't make it out, that's just how it is. Yeah, that's um, that's very much the uh, the Michael Jordan approach. Um, mm -hmm. Although I don't think he liked people even after the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but not to get off topic about the food part, but that that's what goes into it. I don't really, yeah, I don't eat before some some events. Like some of the greatest things I've done 
I probably didn't eat that whole day. No lie. Hmm. Just be I'm like, and it's not like I'm starving. I feel perfectly fine. But my, I probably eat once a day. Like truthfully, I probably eat like once a day, one and a half. But when I eat, I eat. It's not like I'm eating some little. When it's time to eat, it's time to eat. And I'm going to keep eating. <laughs> and once I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> I'll be done for like a little minute. So almost like a snake belly, like, or a wolf. Like when wolves eat, they eat. They hunt and they eat. But it's not like they hunt 24-7. And then, you feel me, they lose track of what's going on because they understand they're being hunted as well. You can't keep out killing everybody and eating everybody and, and think you're just not going to get touched. That's what they... That's the, the that's what the lion forgets about. You might be the king of the jungle, but somebody's gonna come and test your water one time. Mm. That's how it is. That's a bar right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to ask: Do you remember the first time you dunked, and how old you are? How old oh yeah. You are? I was in seventh grade. The first time I dunked, I was about five six. Five six in seventh. Yeah. So what is that? Twelve at the time or eleven? Young, younger? Yeah. I'm turning twelve. Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> you're twelve, turning twelve, five foot six, and you're dunking on a ten foot hoop. Cause I got my first, I got the first dunk with a girls' ball. Well, it went volleyball then a girls' ball at uh, track practice, seventh grade. We was in the gym. People were just throwing me oops, and I'll take off. Cause like I said, I did long jump. I'll take off. And I almost jumped from the free throw line. Because like I said, when I see something and I want to do it, I want to try it. I seen Michael Jordan do it. I want to try this shit. So I was getting close. But realistically, I had to get closer so I can't dunk it. But that's when I got my first two dunks. Then I went to the local YMCA. And in there, I was trying to dunk. I was around dudes I could dunk all the time. Like one of my cousins, he got balanced. Seeing him dunk all the time, I'm like, dang. Let me go for and try. So I would try for so long. Then a couple times, like I said, I would try for the Michael Jordan range. But when I got my first dunk with the, the girls ball, you know, I'm going to YMCA, try for the same spot. But it's not working. So I take off from far and I caught it and punched it. But it was, it was almost like a rim grazer because I tried to dunk it so hard, but it actually flushed in quick. But how I hit it, it looked like it was a rim grazer. So I had to get up and do it again. Did it again. And since then, it's I've been dunking, no lie. Since then, I've been dunking. I actually caught my first body the uh, the same the same year in seventh grade when school was over. So basically, me going to eighth grade, caught my first body. Somebody threw me the the outlet, and I didn't think anybody was gonna come up and jump with me. But it was one of the older dudes here, and me and him was going back and forth at it all day in the gym, going back and forth. He said I would, he said I go to any one of his layup. You know, he's mad because I I pent him. That he was just mad, so he going at it. He tried to chase me down. I didn't see him until last minute. And he jumped into me, he tried to hit me, but I banged all on him. He fell right into me. Like it, it looked like one of those balls like clips everybody sees. <laughs> That's the same as that one, no lie. But it was at the local YMCA. Oh my then, god. <laughs> that was that was in seventh grade, no lie. That's crazy. What what do you I mean, this is just a this is a question both for myself and and some of the people who uh, who can't dunk yet, uh, what what exercises would you suggest for those people <laughs> to get a little bit higher? Are we talking box jumps? What are we talking here? No, because where I'm from, we don't do stuff like that. We don't. We didn't have no trainers. We didn't have anybody that really had bounce that they worked on as far as like box jumps and stuff that y'all see on Instagram and YouTube and stuff like that. We was more so natural born athletes that understood this is what it took to dunk. You had to be able to jump high. So in order to jump high, we worked on more so just staying fit and practice on getting up to the rim, really. It wasn't like doing box jumps. We would stay like, I mean like staying fit, like abs, push-ups, sit-ups every night, even like young. Like when I was in Little League, I was doing push-ups and sit-ups at night with my shoulder pads on. No lie. I was on, I would do 25 push-ups in third grade. I started in third grade. That's when I started playing football. I'll do 25 push-ups and I'll do 50 sit-ups every single night. And in my end, I had a brother, I had an older brother. He made sure I did it. So there was no doubt that 
I wasn't going to be some crazy athlete, even off my natural ability. But it's, it's just that drive to to want to dunk. I personally don't think box jumps help you dunk. I personally think they help you get your feet up high whenever it's time to get in the air. Like, I think you can clear a fence. If you do box jumps all day and you want to be able to run away from somebody and do parkour, by all means, do box jumps. No, nah, seriously. Because, like, you, you're getting your legs up really high, really quick. You feel me? Like, that's the most understandable part. But I, I'm not saying box jumps don't help you at all. I'm just saying that's not the go-to if you want to learn how to dunk or learn how to, you know, jump high. Box jumps help on your quickness to get those knees up. You don't get those knees up in time. <laughs> you're not getting on top of that box. Right. Man, that's super, super interesting. <laughs> and then at what point did you decide that you wanted to start doing like trick dunks and, and how do you kind of weigh, um, you know, the risk of injury with stuff like that, you know, to your goals of being in the Olympics, to Instagram? How do you, how do you divvy all that up in, in where your goal, which are you most passionate about and what do you enjoy doing? So what got me into doing trick dunks, it was Vince Carter. Mm. And that's that's the point I, I really want, I'm starting to get to more on my Instagram is that I'm not a pro dunker. I haven't done one professional dunk contest. Literally, I haven't done one. I've been in dunk environments with professional dunkers. That's because they see me and they they give me you know, knowledge and they also, you know, they respect me as the person who I am and, and I got bounced, you know, they respect it. And they see that I can do these type of dunks because we all have the same exact thing in common. You ask any pro dunker who the favorite dunker is, guarantee they're gonna say Vince Carter. But who they who they admire the most when it comes to the dunk game, as far as, you know, their age, who was they seeing dunking the most? Vince yeah. Carter. I follow the same the same passion. But I, I actually play basketball. I'm not saying none of them don't play basketball, but I actually do play basketball. I just know how to dunk because I wanted to because I seen Vince Carter doing it. I seen Allen Iverson doing it. So when I seen Allen Iverson do it, I was like, he's not the tallest in the league, and he can dunk on these dudes. I'm going to do the same thing when I play basketball. I want to dunk. I know for a fact that that is going to – I knew as a kid, me dunking, no matter how tall I was. There we go. Hey, my bad. You good? Is it good? All right. We good now? Yeah, go ahead. But what was that again? Uh, You were talking about um, seeing Allen Iverson dunk. Oh, yeah. So me seeing the people that I looked up to in in the NBA, being able to dunk really showed me like, okay, one, I can dunk as John Iverson can dunk. Two, I want to dunk like Vince Carter. Ain't no way that I'm not allowed to dunk like him just because he's tall. So every dunk I see him, if you look at my reverse windmill, if you look at my this statue of Liberty dunk that I do with one hand, I do it better than him. But that's where <laughs> I got it from. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at my 360 windmill. That's where I got it from. I do the same things that he do in game, but I just post it on my page because it's like, you don't see dudes my height doing this all the time. Uh-uh. So it's like, wow. Exactly. So that's why I posted a lot on my page. I more so wasn't getting people to label me as a pro dunker because if that was the case, I would have came at it with a different approach. Mm. Like there's like I don't I don't put anything on my page that labels me as a pro dunker. You'll see me with Chris Staples, who is a pro dunker. 
but that's a great friend of mine who was a, also a great mentor that I talked to. And he's a great guy. See, yeah, he is great dude. And if you see me in a dunk, like we, had, me and him had a dunk contest, but that was a virtual dunk contest. That wasn't a actual real pro dunk contest that he, he he's been in before, like FIBA or um, Bramble or Sprite or the the. Um, Three on three tournament uh, dunk contest or um, Bleacher Report. Like, he's been in so many, I can keep on naming that he's done over the years. I haven't done one. I guarantee you, you will do all of them once things are back to normal. I can promise you that. If you want to do them, you will be invited to every single one. Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't, I don't mind going, but it's just like, would. If Vince Carter was to do the same thing on his off time, would people lay, label him as a pro dunker or would people label him as an NBA player who could dunk? Interesting question. Probably a pro dunker if he was more – people label people as what they're most famous for. But, like I, but listen, he's still in the NBA as well as doing dunk contests on the side. He did, he did – all right, so he did dunk contests many years in the NBA. Is he a pro dunker because he won? So did Nate Robinson. So did Zach Levine. But I think those guys were famous enough as players to where they were able to uh, still be labeled as that NBA player. But let's say somebody who nobody had ever heard of, um, mm -hmm. you know, was in the league, got put in the dunk contest, won a few years straight, and that, that success didn't cross over to their NBA game, they could be labeled as a professional dunker who also plays in the NBA as opposed to an NBA player who is also great at dunks. But you know what it is. It's like you said, people label you quick. People people love to label people. I hate that. <laughs> very, very quick to be judgmental. Very, very quick to be judgmental. All but that. like we said, you know, staying in our lanes and not... I, I, I'm curious, do you think that, um, you know, staying in your lane and staying in your bag also, you know, is, is uh, it takes in not caring what other people think about you too. Do you think that's part of it? Oh uh, yeah. Me, me not caring. Well, yeah, there's no way around it. <laughs> yeah, it does. Cause I don't care about what people say for many reasons, but to break down your answer. Yeah, that's what it is. But I mean, that's something I can't control. That's why I stay in my bag and I stay in my lane because once I start to worry about things that I can't control, then that's when I start to fall off and I can't get to where I want to because eventually people are going to see like, yeah, he really does hoop. He really can hoop. He just know how to dunk and it's crazy that he can dunk like this. Bro, I guard you in one of those games. I was <laughs> having me running, bro. Usually I yeah. have people running just because <laughs> You know, I, I hope people who are going to defend me in the future don't listen to this, but I'm a perimeter guy. Uh, right. I'm the one that's like running back and forth on the outside. You had me running, mm -hmm. running. Yeah, that's what I do. I get people tired, then I kill them after that. That's the lion approach. Or <laughs> like the, it's smart, man. That's exactly how I usually think, too. It's let me do some nonsense running because I have better endurance than most people. And then by the end of it, I'll be able to get the easy shots. And like, I said, yeah. like I said about the line, somebody will always come and touch the water and see how real of a line you are. Lion King, you know. <laughs> Bro, you're dropping some bars on this podcast. I appreciate it. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, you know. <laughs> what, so what, what are you... What's your dream? What do you want? Um, what are you most excited about? Do you want to be a, is being a gold medalist Olympian number one on the, you know, hierarchy of goals of yours? Um, on a realistic side? No, real, screw realistic. <laughs> um, your, give me what your heart says. I definitely want a gold medal. Any track athlete wants to go mental, for sure. But the way things are going right now, I don't know. 
I'm not saying it's not possible for me, but the way things are going right now, I don't know. I don't want to mess nothing up because my my realistic goal, other than be just being the greatest athlete in general, I want to star on the Hollywood strip. I'm not even gonna lie to you. That's like my biggest goal ever. I'm not even gonna lie. If I get that, I don't care how old I am. Y'all can just pull the plug. Real talk. Y'all can just pull the plug. I'm, I'm satisfied. <laughs> I'm satisfied if I get a star. Yeah, I definitely want a gold medal for sure. But I think if I was to have a gold medal, I would want more. Then eventually I, I would want something else. And that Hollywood, that, that star for me, that's big. That's big. Like literally everybody's on there. That would that would be pretty amazing. Well, I think it's definitely doable. Yeah, facts. Definitely doable. The Hollywood strip is everything. Like it, any, you don't have to. It, people from different countries come to Cali just to go to Hollywood just to see the strip. That's the biggest thing. Like you, you did you did a lot in your life to get that. Literally. A hundred percent. And I think the cool thing about, you know, being around in today's day and age is that um, everything that you do is well documented and recorded and online for everybody to see. Whereas opposed to some of the people who's like, who were who the first stars on the Hollywood walk. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, some of us, because they were before our time, we don't know who they are. And it can even right. be difficult to find what they did online because of how long ago. Long ago, right silent films or they're black and white films and you know they were singing when there like wasn't even like, or radio like whatever the heck it was um you know so they were only performing in person like you couldn't listen to somebody like crazy stuff bro so the cool thing is like your journey now for the next 40 50 60 70 years is all going to be documented through the internet and whatever the internet you know eventually turns into um, to the point where you do get your, your Hollywood star and all of that will be recorded forever as opposed to what it is uh, for, for people from the past. So I think that's, I think that's a, a pretty cool added bonus of it all. That's facts. I'm, I'm glad it's actually, at least for me, in my personal experience growing up, because if, if I had clips from when I was a kid in sports, people would actually see way more than what I'm just saying. It's different. I promise you. As a kid, different. I was just different. I wasn't supposed to be doing half the stuff that I was doing as a kid, as far as athletic-wise. Oh, you don't to. have to persuade anybody based on the facts of what you do now and you describing your training from being in third grade on with shoulder pads doing sit-ups and push-ups every night. I, there's no doubt in mine, nor anybody's listening, anybody that's listening in, in their minds either. No doubt. <laughs> but um, you know, it's funny too, because onto that, one of my favorite things about things like this, uh, like the podcast and doing podcasts, is that now, um, because we've done this episode, in mm -hmm. 10, 15, 20 years, you can look back on how you described your goals and things of that nature with words. True. Um, you have it. True. You have it forever now. So that's that's one of the things I like I like most about this. But um, hopefully I can hopefully I can look back and be like, dang, I actually accomplished exactly what I said I was gonna do. Ain't nothing left to do but to do it, my friend. Um, Man, that, that was that was that, that's all I was thinking about. 2018, no lie. That same sound that you think that you just said, no, let's do it, but just do it. I can't. That's it. I like the coffee book, by the way. <laughs> it's his breakfast wine. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. <laughs> but yeah, I took I took Kent out of my vocabulary. 2018. I promise you, everything just split from there. Mm. Everything changed, like. Talk to me about why Before, why you did that. Cause it was where I'm from, where I grew up around. It's not 
it's nothing to go to. Like nobody wants to say they want to go vacation or just go visit Louisville, Kentucky or Jeffersonville, Indiana. Nobody says that. Nobody. Nobody wants to go there. That's those are places you pass right through. And with the the killing of Breonna Taylor happening, makes it's making a lot of things more worse in the city. Like a lot of a lot a lot a lot of stuff is going on. A lot of more killings is happening. You would have thought that it would have calmed down. That's not happening. Then it's just a place that nobody wants to come to. Like you don't have coaches coming out there talking about, oh yeah, I'm about to go recruit this kid from here. No. That coach would sit on his couch and wait for somebody else to either post him and go look. A lot of coaches look from the shadows. That's what I call it. I call it a shadow recruiting. Like the only reason I got as many looks as I did is because I ran track. And when you run track and you get your name on athletic.net, your name starts to get out there. And any athlete or track athlete that knows I'm talking about, they know athletic.net. That's when your name starts to get out there. That's when, you know, people start sending you stuff. But other than that, and it's hard to get on that. You got to find an outbreak. You got to do something crazy because, like I said, nobody wants to come to your city and, and sit there and watch you play because they don't know what's about to happen. Mm during or before the game or after nobody knows what's happening so nobody want to stay alive or just being around in general but when i was at my last my last juco i was at vincent's university in 2018 i told my homeboy i was like bro <laughs> i'm only gonna be home for a year meaning 2019 i was I was like, I only, I'm only going to be home for a year. After that, um, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm going to do. But that was literally the only thing because usually people will wake up. Or, I mean, now I wake up and I can see the future. I see, you know, things happening for myself. But back then, I didn't really see nothing. I thought it was the last. Because I had pulled my hamstring when I was at Vincennes. And that was, like, my main cause of injuries. That's why I stopped running track, honestly, because it was my hamstring. Like I kept injuring my hamstring in high school, but after I injured the last time, I was like, dang, I really don't know what I'm going to do. People don't believe in me in basketball. They just think I can just jump. Then in track, I knew it was over because if I keep on doing it, I could become a great athlete in track, but my longevity will be very short because of so much power I'm putting into one leg and I keep pulling the same leg. So there's no reason for me to keep putting my body through that pain. Then in football, I knew that that was a wrap because there ain't no way I was going to be able to go home and make it somewhere for football. That just wouldn't happen. If you didn't make it out of college, I mean, if you didn't make it out of high school for football, it's a wrap. I mean, you could play for the semi-pro teams there, but getting to the point that I went to, the NFL, <laughs> it's really a wrap. At that point, it's like I was going to go home and work or do stuff that I didn't want to do or risk my life at that point. Then, out of nowhere, uh, that's when I started posting the dunk videos more. I was going through a lot. I was going through a lot. My whole lot. 2018, yeah, my homeboy was probably the only dude that really knew exactly what I was going to do in 2018. Because we were talking about it. We was, like, he, he, him still to this day wants to come out to California because he's skateboarding now. But he really want to come out to California because he know, like we both know, coming out of here, you can really change your life because it's a land of opportunities. I see it as a 50-50. You can either mess your life up for good or you can turn to the greatest person ever or you can be way better than where you was. And that that's why I call it the land of the 50-50 because it's giving you equal opportunity to do whatever you want. You can do what you want, do as you please, but there are rules and regulations. They're real lenient. It's not like this stupid strict out here. Now, the people who are from here can say that, but it's from an outside looking in, I'm not doing nothing illegal <laughs> for them to be super strict on. So it's like they're lenient about everything. It's just cool vibes out here all the time. So if you want to get your work done, you can get your work done. You can be around cool people. But I knew coming out here was going to change my life. Stop. I didn't know when I was going to come out here because, like I said, I didn't see the future for myself in 2018. Like, literally, everything stopped. 
I feel like something was, so I knew a change was going to happen. I didn't know if it was going to be good or bad because I knew if I went home, <laughs> it is crazy. I didn't know if I went home, it was going to be bad. And it started the, the second week I was home, no lie. Wow. That's crazy. Well, it's um, one of the beautiful things about the internet and uh, the power of, of it and how you can turn any passion into, you know, something that, that, you know, bears fruit in whatever field you want it to just with that same, you know, consistency and diligence that you applied to the other things you did just, turned over to the social world and dunking and, you know, for whatever you want, you want to, uh, to do with that in, in the future. So it's amazing. Man. I'm so, I'm so happy things are going so great. And I, uh, I can't wait to see what, uh, what you got in store for the future, man. I got a lot, man. It's going to be, it's going to be wild. I can't wait. 2021, 2020 messed it up everything. We're not gonna talk about 2020. So we're just gonna restart That's 2021. Start off good. My my birthday is the start of every year. So my 20, start of 2020 was fine for me. I was perfectly fine. A lot of people said 2020 as a whole was terrible. Hey, 2020 was good for me until COVID. Other than that, I can't say nothing. Now 2021 is gonna be the restart. I love that. Well, everybody, you can follow this man at Oliver Twist, Oliver, T-W-S-T underscore on Instagram. Uh, my man, again, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you doing this. I know we've been talking about it for a minute. Um, mm -hmm. I'm glad we, uh, we, you know, I got to help share your story to anybody who hasn't heard it as well. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, bro. Appreciate you having me. All right. All right. We'll see you guys on the next one. Peace.